Wildfire Podcast is an extension of Wildfire Ministries, an organisation that has a focus of igniting men and women of God into a deeper discipleship with Christ, instilling them with a passion to radically and relentlessly pursue Christ wherever that leads, that God's truth will spread like a wildfire. Hey everyone, so this, this is it. This is the first time we're recording a podcast with the camera. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of technical issues. Oh my goodness! I want I wanted to kill Luke so many times. Yeah. <laughs> so you're lucky to be alive right now, Luke. Okay, I feel good. Is that because I'm a perfectionist or why is that? I'm a perfectionist too in some re- regards, but you, you, oh my goodness, you you have OCD or something. It's crazy. We're all about trying to get perfection. Okay, so we're we're going to discuss Exodus. That's what we're doing in this podcast. Okay, yeah. and uh, Prince of Egypt. Have you seen it? It's my favorite animated movie. Look. I knew that. I was yeah. just, I was just playing in the. I, I we, yeah. You love it too I much. I feel bad. I think. Yeah, I feel like I feel bad because we always talk about, talk about movies, but apart from <laughs> that and the Bible, we don't have a lot in common. I don't like football. You don't like surfing. Yes. So it's that Bible, the Bible movies, but yeah, Prince of Egypt. Uh-huh. Um, you favorite, cried to it. I, I, I did cry to it. Um, yeah. So, uh, but it's good. Gives you a little uh, general overview of it's yeah it's not in terms of accuracy it's not the worst the it's, events it's pretty good yeah. okay sweet so biblical and historical context mm-hmm. this is the second book of the Bible after Genesis and is the beginning of the story of Israel as a nation yeah they entered Egypt as a family of seventy and emerged as a nation of roughly two million yeah wow yeah so I think it's one one point four million men and then we can roughly guess there was probably two million right okay I think, I think that's what the verse says. Amazing. Yeah. In other uh, context, you want to have? So, in terms of historical context, um, we get the dates from 1 Kings 6 1, which says, In the 480th year after the people of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build the house of the Lord. That's uh, Solomon. So, we know roughly when Solomon reigned. So, we're able to backtrack this to kind of estimate the Exodus took place at 1447 to 1445 BC. Um, so given those dates, we can kind of use what most Egyptologists accept as kind of the dynasties. And we would say it's somewhere in the 18th dynasty mm-hmm. and that most likely uh, Hatshepsut would have been Moses's kind of Egyptian mother and Amenhotep II would have been the pharaoh of the plagues in the Exodus. So that's not really important information, but it's just kind of, I just find it interesting. I did some research over lockdown. I just thought it was yeah, totally. good to know. I think it's interesting. Yeah, and people even doubt the the historic reliability or the veracity of the Exodus mm-hmm. account. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's several Egyptologists and uh, we can trace it along with the Bible itself as an historical document mm-hmm. uh, recording this. And, of course, there's other archaeological findings and yeah. stuff. And you wouldn't... Ex- and, and it's like ancient history is it's basically propaganda. Mm-hmm. So if you're a king, you wouldn't want all your, your greatest defeat recorded for all of history to know. So you, you kind of hush it down and suppress that. And exactly. Totally pretend, makes sense. Pretend it's fake news. Yeah. <laughs> Is that term? Okay, so let's try and recap the story mm-hmm. uh, a little bit here. So if we go... Uh, so Abraham is the given the covenant and he's the chosen chosen nation. That's the line which God has chosen to uh, for the nation yeah. that he wants to bless. Mm-hmm. And then from that, you then follow the line. You have Isaac. Then from Isaac, you have Jacob. Then from uh, Jacob, you have Jacob and Esau. But Jacob, you then have his 12 sons, 13, yes. but 12 yes. of the tribes, one of which is Joseph. Mm-hmm. Joseph then goes to Egypt. 
Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh, he basically, there's a whole uh, host of that. But then basically he resides there, gets in a high position, and then his family moves down there. Yeah. That's the family of 70. Yeah. So it's the, the exodus is basically the family of 70 comes out as a nation. That, exactly. That's where it happens. It just keep, they just keep yeah. proliferating. They keep growing yeah. and expanding to the point where the Egyptians perceive them as a threat. Yes. A threat to their authority. Uh-huh. And now we have Pharaoh decides to uh, seize them as a threat and decides to execute uh, uh, the f- what is it? The ch- children, I think it's male the- children under five. Is that under two or five years old? So he decides to execute the male children as a way yeah. to cut down the population to stop yeah. them becoming a potential threat and overdo- uh, overthrowing the Egyptians. Yeah. So that's then. Here we are. Mm-hmm. That's the start of the Exodus count. There's yes. the background context, yeah. and here we go. So then, what happens from from then on? Yeah. So basically, um, it follows this character Moses, and he is. Ca- it's he's put in an ark mm-hmm. so he's saved through the waters by like an ark structure similar to genesis yeah and um, so it's just picking up that pattern again and he's taken under the wing of the uh one of the princesses of of pharaoh uh, in the palace and he's raised in the palace where the rest of his uh, family and yes. nation are suffering as slaves uh-huh. um, so that happens for about a period of 40 years okay is estimated and then after that there's an instance where he kills a slave master to protect one of his brethren. Yeah. Um, we don't really know if he knew. At that point. At that Either point. way, he was filled with this type of empathy. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 think, I think he probably he probably did know at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just inferring. That's just us inferring. Uh, so, me, uh-huh. and then he flees. He, fle- he, he flees. The, the wilderness. Goes out to Midian. Midian. Which is over in the, so I think it's the modern day Saudi Arabia. Uh-huh. Midianite or, wife and, yeah, with Jethro mm-hmm. and his family. And then the burning bush. The burning bush happens. Uh, where he's called by God. Yeah, which is uh, my favourite scene in the movie. Okay. Because they don't change any of the dialogue. Yes. It's all taken directly from the, the passage, so okay. it's, it's very good. Okay. And then uh, you then have a very interesting account about God approaching Moses, which we're going to leave out because we, yeah. <laughs> we want to have a particular focus on on uh, mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about later with the tabernacle, etc. But basically, whenever Moses arrives back, uh, Aaron is the one who speaks for him mm-hmm. and then he is then going to Pharaoh and saying the famous line let my people go Yes, and then of course Pharaoh no hardens his own heart uh, and then uh, we then have the plagues the plagues which each play against one of Egypt's gods right um, which we don't have time to go into but okay because I will die the hatred of false gods yeah, you know what I mean you read yeah. about that in like Ezekiel 6 or 7 okay Um. so uh, from that then we have the, um, the Passover story. The Passover story. That's the last plague. Last plague. The killing of uh, firstborn. Firstborn. So didn't have the blood over the, the the doorways, mm-hmm. and then of course that's the thing that sets Pharaoh, Pharaoh light, and he's just like, okay, leave. We don't want you here. Yeah. And then uh, the Israelites leave, and then there's the voyage. Then they come to the Red Sea. Then they have to cross the Red Sea. Then of course the Egyptian forces come and they try and get the uh, the Israelites, and then of course the waves come in mm-hmm. uh, on uh, the Egyptians. Yeah. And then the rest of the account so is... That, yeah, that's usually where most people think the Book of Exodus ends. Yeah. But there's tons of boring stuff left. <laughs> yeah. um, so that, I think that's... Chapter- boring stuff. People's perception of boring stuff. Yeah, so it's we'll, actually rather exciting. We'll hopefully change your mind. Uh, so that's part one, one day at 10. And then part two is 19 to 40. Yeah. And that takes place kind of in the wilderness, but most yeah. of the time it's there at Mount Sinai. Um, of course. Which, if you Google that, that'll say it's in... That Google will say that 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 takes place, yeah, or Mount Sinai is in Egypt, okay. 
but that's most likely not correct. Okay. Because um, Mount Zion is where Moses met God through the burning bush. Right. Which we know took place in Midian, which is nowhere near Egypt, just on the far side of the Red yes, Sea. Yes, of course. So we kind of, we know that Mount Sinai is more, more than likely in Saudi Arabia. Right, okay. Okay, so then we go from Mount Sinai and then we have the rebellion, sinful nature of the people. Yeah. Then we have the issue of the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. uh, that were given at Mount Sinai. So uh, this, this lists them, so, so we have them, okay? Because they are the foundation of morality for centuries. Now, yeah. of course, there was morality written on the heart of people. Mm-hmm. However, this was it in set in stone. Yes. And then people always say, well, well why do we need the Ten Commandments? Mm-hmm. It's like, if you look at the sin that was commi- being committed at that time, even the sin that was being committed while, Mo- while Moses was being given the commands, yeah. it's like they definitely needed it on written stone or at mm-hmm. least needed reminded reminded of the emphasis of these important laws that yes. are, seem so simple, but mm-hmm. yet we don't apply to our lives. Okay, so, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt not worship any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honour thy father and mother. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covenant. Yeah, so... Ten commandments. If you had to pick one and talk about it, look, what would, what, which one would you pick off the top of your head? Oh, one that's applicable to... I think society today is honour thy father and mother. Okay. Uh, yeah, even just, you know what I mean, we have to show a little dignity and respect to our parents that they are wiser than us and about seeking their counsel and their advisement. It's like a foolish way. Foolish man's ways seem right to him, but the wise seek advice. Mm-hmm. What better way than uh, if God has blessed you with a parent who can do so? Yeah. Um, so just about honouring, even if uh, some are uh, don't have parents, it's about respecting those in authority or those above you. Mm-hmm. Or in, and it's the or commandment that comes with the promise as well. Okay. Um, so that's yeah, it's a good thing to keep in mind if you want to. <laughs> there's one that will be, that's the one to go for. Yeah, totally. Do you have one or? I, I would say take, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. I've kind of been learning more about this recently. Okay. Uh, and it's basically the idea that taking the name of the Lord in vain isn't just saying "Oh my God" or "Jesus Christ" in a quote pro- profane way. Yeah, those are in quotation marks. Um, no, but it's not just saying those things in a, in a profane way, but it's also um, on a much larger scale, like the the idea of forcing people to do things under the name of God. Mm. So if you if I went out and killed someone because they weren't a Christian, yep. that would be me taking God's name in vain because I'm going going out and doing something that God's commanded me not to do. Yeah, totally. So that's me taking His name in vain. Okay. So, and then you can apply that to broader context as well. Okay. And even going out for a beer with someone yep. and having one too many, but you say you're going out to meet with a fellow Christian and, and have fellowship, that, I, I'd say that would be an example of taking the name of the Lord in vain. All right, okay. Totally understand that. Totally understand that. Um, yeah, even it's like, just there's too much toleration now for people just taking the Lord's name in vain. Even if you think of the, in the New Testament by the Pharisees, how they said that Jesus had like the spirit of uh, Beelzebub or like evil forces within yeah. him. Mm-hmm. It's like, even that, you're just blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You're blaspheming Jesus, who is the Son of God. Yeah. Uh, and just showing no fear or reverence. That's the mm-hmm. central importance. Okay. So from then, Sinai with commandments, and then, you know, Israel, they sort of get back into order following their sinful <laughs> their, their sinful night of rebellion against God. Yeah. And the golden the, calf. Yeah, they're not in order for long, though. As you find, if you read through all the Torah, yeah. or the five books of the Pentateuch, they don't really... Just repetitive failure. Yeah. It's just humanity. Failure failure. Uh, and just God's grace and mercy mm-hmm. on display. Yeah. Okay, so then we have the tabernacle. I think before we do the tabernacle, though, we need to go talk back and talk about the character of Moses because he's a big player in the Bible. Yeah, totally. So he... So Jesus is the most talked about character in the Bible, not unsurprisingly. 
And between it's either Moses or David is the second most talked about okay. character Bible. Yeah. Um. So either way, he's a very important character. Yeah. And you can follow him, and there's there's plenty of books here there you can read just about Moses. Um. So the Exodus kind of gives you his beginnings, mm-hmm. and you can just follow him all through the Torah. Uh. But I think one of the things to note about Moses is that he was in a position of authority and tr- in Egypt and trained as a ruler. Like that's what they were going to train him to do in the palace. They're training him to rule. For 40 years, that was. But he still wasn't... It wasn't then when God said, okay, now you're going to go and lead my people in the, in the wilderness into the mm-hmm. promised land. Totally. He sent them away to the wilderness first for, okay. for 40 more years to, yeah. where he had to be a shepherd and shepherd's sheep. Uh-huh. And it's that idea of... And that, that was equal amounts of time as well, 40 years in both accounts. So it wasn't as if the shepherd part wasn't as important. So it's, okay, you can learn how to rule for 40 years and then for five years you go and like, learn how to take, take care of a few sheep in the wilderness. Yeah. Um, they're putting, putting equal footing. Um, so Moses was a shepherd king, and he was the one God chose to rule, to take, lead the people. Mm-hmm. And then that is, again, a type of Christ, who is our shepherd king. Okay. Um, and he, he, well, he's a good shepherd. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. And then we were also saying about that idea of how, 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 he was in the, how he was in the wilderness for that period of time, so for 40 years, and then how God was uh, moulding, shaping Moses in order to come to that point in the burning bush at the exact moment that God wanted him in order to carry out the will of God. Yes. And for us, a uh, principle to apply is that we have to be patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, even whenever we perceive dry seasons, these are the seasons where God's cultivating or refining us Yeah. Uh, in order for the service that he has planned for us in, yeah. in, in future. Yeah, and Moses wouldn't have known when the service was going to come. He probably, Yeah. I can't remember, who, I heard a preacher one time say that Moses probably thought his opportunity was going to come when he was in authority in Egypt. He thought, okay, I can maybe work my way up the, the, the ladder here, work my way up the chain, and then mm-hmm. I'll be able to change on a systematic level. Yeah. And then whenever he killed that Egyptian guard, he probably thought, okay, I've messed up. I'm just going to go and live in exile now. Mm-hmm. But it was only after he was in exile that God called him yeah. to his true, his true rule. So even if we do mess up with our lives, as long as we yeah. still pursue Christ and pursue godliness, then God can still use us for good. Yeah. Regardless of our mess ups. Okay, so we've gone through, we've got context, we've gone a little narrative there, and then we've also highlighted how we're going to come to the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. We've also highlighted the importance of Moses. Yes. And so Passover significance. Mm-hmm. Um so Israel's uh physical oppression, mm-hmm. you then have our spiritual oppression. Yeah. Yeah. Physical exodus, spiritual exodus. You then have freed uh by the blood of the Lamb, freed by Christ's blood. Yeah. Okay, so the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist said. Yeah. So, so you have these parallels. Yeah, basically, Israel were physically oppressed okay. and were spiritually oppressed by sin. Okay. Israel had to get, ex- like, exodus means like to leave or to exile. Like, they had to exile themselves from that physical oppression. Uh-huh. And we have to be exiled from our sin or our spiritual oppression. Okay. And they were freed at the Passover. So we're recording this actually just a few weeks after the Passover took place. <laughs> and Planned it. Yeah, that was completely planned. <laughs> and uh, they were freed by the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. Okay. And were freed by Christ's blood on the yeah. cross. There's so many things, like so many metaphors transcending from old to new. Yeah. And uh, like typologies mm-hmm. or of, of Jesus Christ. Even Leviticus, it's insane how many there is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get down to it then. Down to the tabernacle. Tabernacle. Everyone's favourite. They've been Everyone is like, everyone's just like... I really wanted him to talk about like the plagues or like the storyline or something else, and Tough like, luck. and now they're like, they're focusing on the tabernacle. Lucky, for, lucky for you, Lou and I are huge nerds about the Bible, so <laughs> we picked this topic. Uh, yes, get into it. Okay, tabernacle can be very boring. 
Yes. If taken at face value, though, mm. uh, and not looked at at any more detail. Yeah. So we don't have time to talk about all the interesting features. Keyword, interesting features. So we will use an example from the structure of the tabernacle. Yeah. And this is just an example of, like, whenever you're reading the text, it's like, what's this even saying? And it's the whole idea of, like, understanding the Bible as one holistic narrative, old and new. Mm-hmm. Understanding that the... What is the new? Te- I always get that wrong. Like, just my brain can't comprehend it. Is that the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed? Is that right? The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And the, the Old, Old Testament, Testament is the New, new Testament, Testament hidden, concealed, concealed. Because it rhymes exactly. I think. So whenever you read the New Testament, it's like you can actually. People think that there's not about the New Testament. There's a need to dismiss the Old Testament. No, like the New Testament uh, heightens the Old Testament. It makes it flourish. It provides so much more. It provides the fulfillment of so much that was said. Yeah. So here we have an example of this type of fulfillment. Yeah. I think first of all, we need to talk about what the tabernacle means and what it is. Okay. So there are some really good YouTube videos out there. Let me include some in the description. I think it'll be a good idea. They basically can take you to tour of what the tabernacle is. There's actually a real life size one in, I think it's Timna Park in Israel. So they've just rebuilt it and Class. to to scale. So I think it's about 150 feet long and 30 feet wide, but you can look up the videos and check. Mm-hmm. And it was... Tabernacle basically means dwelling place. So it was somewhere where God came to dwell with his people because he was too holy for him to just dwell in among them. Yes. Because uh, we're impure people and so are the Israelites. Um, so he had to create the special place that was holy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had within it the holy of holies, then the holy place. Yeah. And then the outside court, court scene. Um, so that was kind of what it was. And we can then... There's tons, of, as I said, there's tons of little details and things like that that you can take ages and study and pick up pick up on, read books on. Yeah. But the example I picked when pre- preparing this was in Exodus 40. Okay. It talks about how to set up the tabernacle. Right. So, so it's already given details of all the different, the altars, yes. the menorah, those kind of things. Yeah. So chapter 40 is just telling you how to set up and the order of setup and that kind of thing. So yeah. the way we'll break this down is basically we're going to talk about each item and the order it was to be set up in and to show how Jesus saw himself as the fulfillment of those items and their purpose, which was overall to bring the people closer to God and in fellowship with God. Okay. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. Yeah. So we're actually, our understanding of the New Testament is going to provide us even more clarity and understanding in this passage itself. Yeah. Okay, cool. Also, with regards to the tabernacle, because I feel like this is a question at least I would ask is like, okay. what? It's like, why, why the tabernacle? Why create this institution? Whenever the fact that the Holy Spirit resides in all of us, mm-hmm. and the whole point is that we don't actually understand the severity of our sin. Like Isaiah six says, "I am a man of unclean lips," and then it talks about that call about being sanctified in the presence of God, mm-hmm. and in the tabernacle, it's about God's holiness and where He can reside, and that was a. Uh, a physical manifestation or representation of how, you know what I mean, you have to be so careful when you approach me. And it's the same as us today. Even though we have the Spirit of God and the veil was torn in two, we still have to approach God with a fear and reverence that we can come before him Mm -hmm. and that God resides within us and that should give us more motivation to serve and live a holy God. A holy life. Serve a holy God. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I got confused there. That's right. Come on. Come on. First time record. <laughs> yeah. I've had listened for two for two hours, like testing these mics, so you can forgive me for that one. <laughs> that's on me. Yeah. Okay, so let's go into it. So the table of showbread. That's oh, how would you say item object number one within the tabernacle? Yeah. And then we see the New Testament equivalent of that is I am the bread of life. 
John 6, 35. Yeah. So all throughout John, Jesus has these seven I am statements, okay. which will follow. And he presents them in an order that follows the order that the tabernacle is to be set up in. So okay. hopefully that's made, does that make sense? Hopefully that's made more clear as we give examples. But yes, the first if, one is ta- the table of showbread. And the first I am statement Jesus presents himself is I am the bread of life mm-hmm. in John 6. Yeah. Perfect. So the next one is the menorah, which was kind of like a candlestick um, with seven different candles on top. Okay. So basically a light. Menorah. Menorah. And menorah. this is echoed with Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 12, when he says, I am the light of the world. Class. Yeah, pretty cool. Okay, so number three is the screen door. And then Jesus says, I am the, jo- I am the door, John chapter 10, verse 7. Mm-hmm. Okay, so whenever we say these, though, is that uh, obviously because like there's a new testament about what jesus says like i am the door i'm the bread he's the bread of life he's our sustenance he's everything that we need and then i'm the door he's the way in he's the entrance yeah towards god mm-hmm. so here we have like uh, the door was the entrance towards god screen yeah. door mm-hmm. and then the bread with that what is that that was just for the priest state yeah okay yeah. and then the okay so the door screen door perfect okay so there's just right. Sorry, that was just me speaking out loud. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. So number four is the altar, which is where they sacrifice the animals. Okay. Um, and the animals are brought brought forth, many of which were sheep and cows, and what they're looked after there, looked after after by shepherds. So yes. Jesus says, "I am the good shepherd," which is in John ten eleven. John ten eleven. Okay. And then we have the laver, but laver. Lever. There's, there's no accent on that. Look, Le- Le- laver. Proper another laver, 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 or basin, basin. Mm-hmm. I probably should have just said that, and then allowed you, you, you to go yeah, with the other one. But it's fine. Like, there we go. Yeah. And then the New Testament equivalent is "I am the resurrection and the life," John eleven twenty five. Yeah, so that's reference to baptism. Okay, um, which even when you baptize yourself, that's representing mm-hmm. from life to death and back up to life again. Yeah, the parting of the waters, like we even talked about for the uh, with Moses' ark going through the waters the parting of the waters represents yeah. life in the bible so whenever you're talking about the laver that's you're cleaning the sin off and it's the resurrection to new life Class. that's what it represents amazing that a northern irish farmer could have pronounced that instantly there <laughs> definitely i'm telling you <laughs> laver <Lover. laughs> <laughs> oh okay so number six number then. number six is the screen to the courtyard gate uh, so basically, there is the screen door we talked about before. That's the door into the tabernacle. Yes, and the but, way. But there was the outer. There was another white fence that that went around the whole tabernacle, and this is the screen to into the courtyard. And it's when it's kind of echoed when John, when Jesus says in John fourteen six says, "I am the way." So it's the way into the tabernacle or into the courtroom. Okay. So the other one was what was it? What was it saying? I I am the door. Because it's because it was an actual door into the yes house, okay this and this is, this is I am the yeah. way because it's not a door it's a gate yeah totally yeah it's again that central importance of how Jesus is how we approach God mm-hmm. yeah right okay so this is it are you ready for this because this is point number seven the anointing of the priests yeah New Testament equivalent Peter yes the New Testament equivalent is from John fifteen five to eight says Jesus says I am the vine and you are the branches. So when we go through, this one doesn't seem like it makes sense. It took me a wee while to get my head wrapped around it. But when you go through the sequence and the order, if all six of if all of the other six line up, it's most likely that this does line up in some way. So it just requires some, some more research. But number seven, the anointing of the priests represents when Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the, branch that are, the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this, my father, is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. Okay. Did you get the link there, Luke? Um, I, I, I do understand the link I just am not brave enough to explain it so I'm going to okay. leave that to you but the passage in John 15 there what it's saying is that Jesus is the vine and then from the vine come the branches the branches that bear forth fruit mm-hmm. so it's only through Jesus can we bear fruit yes and then of course the vine dresser is God yes okay so how does this relate so I'll attempt to explain it and you can <laughs> question me if I'm not doing it too well <laughs> So the priest, the whole role of a priest was to represent the people to God and God to the people. It was the, the mediator between God and man. Of course. That was the role of the priest. And when Jesus said he's, is saying he's the vine, we have to be connected to the vine to access God. Yeah, of course. So he is... That's the mediator, the intercessor, the that's idea, the veil. Yes. And then this is also explained further in Hebrews. You might know the reference, Luke, but I think it's uh, when Jesus is compared to Melchizedek as our high priest and king. Yeah, totally no idea. Okay. Somewhere in Hebrews. Somewhere in Hebrews anyway, but it's basically Christ is our high priest. Okay. And our representative of God to man and man to God. And we don't yeah. need to go to an earthly priest anymore. We can okay. just go straight to Christ. I'm going to make the inference that it's either Hebrews 2, 8, 9 or 10. Hebrews only has like 10 chapters, so you go half an hour already. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this is what it's saying is, so the New Testament covenant is that Jesus is the intercessor for us. And in the Old Testament, this was the... The, the, the anointed of the priest the priests were the intercessor for the people and God yeah they were the mediator Jesus is the intercessor for us and God mm-hmm. yeah and I think this is best put in John 1 14 okay it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so basically saying Christ came down the word is, that is Jesus Christ came down and he dwelt with us he yeah. had his tabernacle with us and we can see the full glory of God through him we don't need to have a full on tabernacle anymore thankfully amazing yeah okay so there's the book of exodus that's our <laughs> how do you put our, our take our slant mm-hmm. on it and uh yeah we just highlighted the context we highlighted the storyline we highlighted the importance of moses and uh, we highlighted the importance of the passover and how that's relevant to us and again it's applicability old testament new testament and then we talked about the tabernacle and, and the laws then, did we say about the laws did we say about that? We did say about the laws. Yeah. I read the laws. Okay. Yeah, you read the laws. Sorry. <laughs> right. So the laws, and then you've got the tabernacle, again, Old Testament, New Testament equivalent. So again, that's everything. Hope you enjoyed it. Any more, anything else to add? No, I think that's it. Hopefully you all enjoyed Exodus and you can go watch The Prince of Egypt if you want to get a full recap. <laughs> okay, perfect. So we shall see you all in the next podcast. Bye. <laughs>